0: I want to, at the beginning of this, apologize to those who will be on the podcast because you're going to hear me singing at parts, and uh, so we'll test the durability of that crowd. But uh, I am going to do my best when we get to the parts of singing to turn off this lav mic I have up here by my my face, and then get away from this and turn it back on. So I'm going to try that throughout and see how it works. You have your uh, song sheet there, and uh, I want you to have that ready, and have your Bible ready, and do the balancing act tonight. Uh, we're going to go through this, and uh, this song, uh, I get to certain sections of the message, I will read through a verse, and then we will sing just that verse. We're going to do the chorus at the last, we're not going to do it with each verse, and we'll do that. Uh, when we get to that, my wife's just finding this out now, uh, she is going, I don't, I'm not going to pull her up here each time and all that sort of thing but I'm going to want you to be ready, honey, just to kind of lift up your voice and get the congregation going with this song at the right time. Try to take it in uh, uh, group leading voice and not for soprano voice, and that'll be good because um, that really kills us guys. Um, but, the, uh, but a tremendous song to go with it, and uh, as I've been working on the truth and wanting to give it to you, I thought, boy, I believe this is a good mixture of the Scripture and a great song. Uh, to help us get a truth that I want to get across to you tonight uh, out of a passage that you will see both tonight and, God willing, on Sunday also. Totally different, uh, not totally different, but uh, individual teachings out of it. Not, one's not an attachment and rehash of the other. But I want to show you something. Look in Hebrews chapter 6, and we'll start there in Hebrews chapter 6. Let's see if I can coordinate all this and make it work tonight. It'll be great. I like being able to come to the house of God and enjoy the house of God. And uh, I like just to have a lot of variety. One of the main things I appreciate about my wife, my wife can cook a lot of different types of food. We had stuffed peppers once this week, and that was good. If peppers don't affect you, if you're affected by peppers, you get to have them several times. But we had stuffed peppers, and she made those, and those are great. Tonight, I had... uh, some zucchini, fresh zucchini and uh, green beans baked potato oh yeah she grilled me, or, or actually put it on the stove portobello mushroom did it sort of like amber. had the tomato on top of that I may just go home and get seconds while you all have church eh? but I like the variety of it and, and as a pastor I want you to be able to come and have a variety you come in and uh, from the word of God and keep it fresh for you let you enjoy the word of God let our church be a sanctuary place where you come and get the blessing that you ought to get and uh, I love it very very much so okay Hebrews 6 and uh, let me show you the particular passage if you will look in verse 17 it says wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel in other words it cannot be changed confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things so two things that could not be changed in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. So we fled from the wrath to come. We fled from the condemnation of sin. We fled to the hope set before us, the Lord Jesus Christ, salvation in Him. And we we fled there and we have strong, immutable, unchangeable counsel and consolation because of it. It says then in verse uh, verse 19, which hope, that hope given, given by God through Christ, we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. That's not the subject matter tonight. This verse is, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. If you've been in our church, I've taught on Melchizedek, you've gotten some teaching on it. If that leaves you a little bit puzzled, saying who in the world is Melchizedek, if you're listening and, and say, wonder who that is, uh, go back and listen to the series on Mr. Man the Bible, it'll explain it to you. But the, uh, but the thing of it is, uh, I'm not going to go into a dissertation on Melchizedek and all of that. What I am focusing on tonight, out of this passage, I want to talk to you about Jesus, our forerunner. Jesus, our forerunner. Look again at this verse. It says, Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Where did he enter? He entered within the veil, according to verse 19. That's a reference to the most holy place in the temple and the tabernacle and then the temple. Within the veil means it's in behind where that curtain was that separated the holy place and the most holy place. And only the high priest could go in there one time a year. When Jesus was crucified, you remember what happened with that veil? It was torn. And it was torn from top to bottom. God reached down and went, rip. That was a very heavy, thick thick veil. And he showed us by that, the Bible teaches this, that the way Unto God was made open through Jesus Christ. And when Jesus' body was torn open by the whip and by the crucifixion, that veil was torn. And what happened was we have access to God through Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad you don't have to go through this preacher or some priest or a pope or anybody else to get to God? Uh, I'm a a Baptist believer, and I believe in soul liberty. I believe every believer, uh, the priesthood of the believer, you have access directly to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for it, and uh, I'm glad for it. But it says here about Jesus in verse 20, he's called the forerunner. The the word forerunner is uh, pretty uh, self-explanatory if you break it down. It's someone who goes on ahead. Um, John the Baptist was the forerunner. He was the one who came before Jesus Christ. He was not of the same um, uh, magnitude as Jesus Christ. In fact, he said the one who came after him was preferred before him. But he was the one who was, he went ahead and he prepared and went with that. The Bible says here that Jesus is our forerunner. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit tonight. Preach a little bit. And we're going to sing a little bit. You're going to help me with the sermon tonight. right? right? You're going to do that. You're going to help me with the message tonight. So see Mrs. Jody. And she'll divvy up how many are here. How much I'm supposed to earn tonight. And she'll, give that, she'll split it. That many, that many ways, and we'll take that out, brother Carpenter's pay, amen. Um, <laughs> and you ain't getting much if you play it that many ways. Um, <laughs> it's not going real far. But um, we we want to we want to tonight get this thing about Jesus being the forerunner. Here, let me just jump right into it and give it to you. Look in uh, uh, look in Hebrews chapter two. Hebrews chapter two. Now, on a couple of these, I'm going to call your mind to some more familiar verses. Another ones, I'll be asking you to turn to them. Hebrews chapter two. So we're talking about Jesus as the what? Forerunner, Forerunner okay? Then one goes before, one prepares the way. Hebrews chapter 2, and look please if you will, in verse 9. It says, but we see Jesus. I love that little line right there. And if you miss everything in life, don't miss seeing Jesus. I love the fact, uh, I know uh, they have, uh, was, was it down at Clay's Mill where they had it? Uh, sirs we would see jesus is, did they have that up at the back or is, or, is, or was that was that a crown? was that a crown, miss uh, miss kirsten they had sirs we would see jesus at the back of the auditorium in the old auditorium where in the world was I? it may have been the old auditorium at uh, somewhere i've been and been up behind the pulpit before doing something uh but it said uh, just across it said sirs we would see jesus that's a tremendous passage uh to look at and, and thank god if you miss everything else make sure you see jesus and uh, it says there in the verse we're looking at, in Hebrews 2, 9, it says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. He, 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 he suffered death. He felt it. So he humbled himself. He, t- he, he took himself down to that level. Crowned with glory and honor that by the grace of God, let me show you what God's grace meant for Jesus, that by the grace of God, he he should taste death for how many every man. Every man. Mm. That term "taste death." Some of you who stand here will not taste death. Do you see? And uh, the term Jesus, Old Testament and New. And it says here that Jesus tasted death for every man. He tasted it, so you don't have to. Aren't you glad? So well, everybody dies. Nah, 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 nah. Every body dies, but not every body dies. Thank God death has no more power. Uh, When death reaches forth its gnarled fingers, all it can grab is that which is dust. Thank God for it. When we're secure in Christ, uh, what a wonderful thing it is to be secure in Christ. And he's our forerunner because he tasted death. The Bible says that he, through death, defeated him that had the power of death, which was the devil. He entered into death. Jesus entered into death. And then he kicked a hole in it. Amen. Founded an empty tomb. He came out on the other side and he punched a hole in death that leads to glory. And he's our forerunner. He went there before us and thank God he accomplished in fact, it says in one place in the New Testament that he spake to his disciples of his decease which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. That's quite a sentence. I preach the entire message on the accomplishment of death. You never say, well, what did he do in his life? He, well, he, he accomplished dying. And no, you don't think of that. But Jesus' death, his decease, was an accomplishment. Why? Because life chose to subject himself to death that he could enter into those who were bondage to death and retrieve them and redeem them and bring them out of death. Amen. He's our forerunner. Amazing. People are very, very scared of dying. I'm not saying that it's something I would be happy to find out I was going to be doing in the next few days. But boy, as a child of God. Thank God there's an assurance we have of to whom we belong. Thank God for it. I'm glad for it. He tasted death for every man. Look at, your, look at the song there. It says, I am dwelling on the mountain where the golden sunlight gleams. Or a land of wondrous beauty Far exceeds my fondest dream Where the air is pure ethereal Laden with the breath of flowers They are blooming by the fountain Neath the amaranthine bowers We're we'll going to sing that together And I'm going to turn this part off Just so as not to offend the brethren And I'll uh, well, start us on that See if you can get us on the key with it I
1: am sunlight gleams O'er a land of wondrous beauty far exceeds my fondest dreams where the air is pure ethereal laden with the breath of flowers they are blooming by the fountain Beneath the
0: amaranthum boughs, I said he's the forerunner for all mankind. Then let me say to you, he plainly declared himself as our forerunner. He declared it. Here's what he said: "I go to prepare a place for you." He said, "Well, he said that to his disciples. Well, aren't you one?" He said, "Well, he said that to his followers. Well, aren't you one?" And Brother Dan, I did turn this back on. I think I'm good, so I'm good. I'm remembering it up here. Uh, the uh, well, sure you are. You just didn't live at the time when he was here in the flesh, but that makes you no less a disciple of Jesus Christ. He said, "Let not your heart be troubled." He said, "I go to what prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again." And receive you unto myself why, that where you may be with me also. He was our forerunner and uh, declared that. Then you know what he did? He lived it out on the cross. Tell you what I mean by that. The two thieves there. One on either side. Both of them started out mocking him. But during part of that one of them, something changed there. And he looked over. Imagine how hard it was to even talk. He looked over at that one that, that said to him, he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. Isn't that amazing? That, that, that thief believed in a resurrection. Feel like somebody's butchered. You can't even tell he's a man and say, will you please help me? Well, that old boy saw something, didn't he? And so, what did Jesus say to him? Today, shalt thou what? Amen. Be with me. Where? Amen. Hold on now. Watch this. A while later, it's coming on towards evening. And the soldiers come. Do you know what they come to do? Break the legs of those on the cross. Why were they coming to break the legs on those on the cross? Because when they broke the leg, it would hasten their death. No longer able to push against a spike. I can't even comprehend that kind of pain. They would drown in their own fluids. They were sure to suffocate. Once the legs were broken, they would fall full, full weight down onto the arms, and that would kill them. Jesus, prior to that soldier coming, had said, It is finished. He chose the time he would die. Although murder was in the hearts of those who nailed him to the cross, Christ gave himself. He laid down his life and he took it up again. And when they came, he was dead, but they wanted to make sure they could report he was dead. But yet the prophecy was that not a bone of him could be broken. So what happened? Took spear. Where'd they punch the spear in? Right at his heart, didn't he? What flowed out on that? Blood and, Blood and water. water. They pierced the pericardium sac in order to get that to happen. What was the spear made of? Do you know? Iron. They brought this thing. Spear. What was this the whole thing going on? You know what it was? This thing was the, uh, the spear going on. We assume it was iron. It was a, it was a spear, the spear of man's hatred. When Jesus' blood and the water flowed out, what it did, it covered the hatred of man. He was already dead. You say, okay, preacher, what's the deal with that? He's our forerunner. He went ahead. He chose to do that. Why? So that he could prepare a place for us. And then he would come back and receive us unto himself. Um, it, w- it was a year ago. A year ago in March on the 16th, when when it came for my mom, he might come for us all with the trumpet. That'd be a great thing, wouldn't it? But one thing's for sure: whichever way we go, we know we don't know the means by which we will go, but we do know with whom we will go. Thank God for it. He's our forerunner. He's gone ahead of us. Look at the second verse in your song. I can see far down the mountain where I wandered weary years, often hindered in my journey by the ghosts of doubts and fears, broken vows and disappointments, thickly sprinkled all the way. They are, uh, excuse me, but the Spirit led unerring to the land I hold today. Wifey, if you will. Are down
1: the mountain where I wandered weary years, often hindered in
0: my journey. Let that song get inside of you. Broken vows
1: and disappointments thickly spring.
0: Right. So he's the forerunner for all of mankind. He plainly declared himself as the forerunner, and then he lived it out on the cross. And then God had promised to go before His people and to lead them. A promise was given. In Deuteronomy 31, eight, and through Moses unto Joshua and the people of Israel, these words were given. Listen carefully to them. And the Lord, He it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. That was Moses. Moses had heard from God that Moses was not going to get to lead these people into the promised land. Do you understand for 40 years, Moses had been their leader in a way like no other human ever led a group of people like that. And now, at the point of what seemed greatest need, he's no longer going to be there. It's going to be Joshua. Do You know what Joshua's job was? Of course, he had led in battle in that. But Joshua's job was taking care of Moses. And when Joshua had a question, he would turn to Moses for it. Now, Joshua's going to be leading the people. Moses is not going in. He's going to go up. He's going to see the promised land. And then God's going to cause him to die with his natural force unabated and his eyes not dimmed at 120 years old. God himself will bury Moses according to the Scripture. And what happens there, uh, they're getting ready to lose their leader and Moses says some final words to him by the Spirit of God. And he says, I want to tell you something. He said, God's going to go before you. You know what he's doing? He's pointing and saying, it's not me, Moses. Moses' strength didn't split the Red Sea. Moses' strength didn't call down the plagues on Egypt. Moses' strength didn't bring the manna in the wilderness. Moses' strength didn't take the bitter waters of Mara and make them fresh. Moses', water didn't stri- uh, Moses power didn't strike the rock and bring forth uh, water. Moses' power didn't do that. It was God. That's right. Moses was just an instrument. Like the rod that Moses carried, it went from being Moses' rod to the rod to the rod of God the only thing that made that rod special was God made that rod special yeah. and Moses is going to be gone and he said to his people he said God's going to go on before you thank God for it my, my sister made a statement to me she looked at me and it, she wasn't being playful with this it's, it's the way we communicate but she said you do realize we're the old people now I said sis you're four years older than me you're the old people <laughs> you're 60 I'm not and uh, she, uh, um, her, by the way, her motto is, new decade, new adventures. And uh, so there you go. But suddenly you realize of the generation before us, my Uncle Ed is the only one remaining, and he is not in good health at all. His heart is completely dependent on his pacemaker. And uh, I know your mother, uh, that, that situation also, I thought of her with, with that. Um, Strange. I'd heard somebody say a number of years ago, said it's a strange thing when there's no longer a generation in front of you that you knew. I don't even hardly have a generation of preachers in front of me anymore. But you know who's still in front of me? God. Every day, all the way, and He took His saints before us home, and He took care of them in their hour of need, and He crossed the river. With them and for them. And you know what? We can trust Him to. And it's our privilege. It's our responsibility. It's our duty to follow God. Why? Because God's never been unfaithful to His people ever. And so He's a forerunner. He promised to go before His people and to lead them. You know how He did it? I thought about this. You read about that in the Old Testament. There was something that let them know which way they were supposed to go and when it was time to move and what direction to go. In the daytime... God's presence in the daytime it looked like a pillar of cloud, it was a pillar of clouds, what it was, and that was there. Why directing them when it said the pillar went up and started moving? It was time to go. Which way were they supposed to go? Which way the pillar went? Their job was just to follow. You ever sing that song? We think of it as a kid's song. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness, all I have to do is follow. How I many of you know that song? Very good. Well, I'll leave it sacred in your mind, not singing more of it, but they uh. It is, and then at night it's a pillar of fire, and uh, why? He was leading, leading his dear children along. Look in verse three of your song there. Um, <clears throat> I am drinking at the fountain where I ever would abide, for I've tasted of life's pure river. My soul is satisfied. Whew. There's no thirsting for life's pleasures. It just, it just doesn't matter anymore after a while. I mean, nice things are nice, but they're things, and that's all they mean. There's no thirsting for life's pleasures, nor adorning rich and gay, for I found a richer treasure, one that fadeth not away. Let's sing that, Mrs. Wife. Get us going on that, if you will.
1: At the mountain where I never would abide, for I'm
0: I'll ah, sing it out to
1: me. my soul is fine. There's no thirsting for life's pleasures. Or adoring rich and gay. For I found a rich treasure. One
0: Isn't that a wonderful truth? I saw that He's the forerunner for all mankind, that He's our forerunner, and He lived it out on the cross, that He promised His people He'd go before Him. And I'm glad that the Bible God put in our possession is also a forerunner for us. It reveals uh, to us what we are to expect in our Christian walk. These are God's words. And God has given in His words a forerunner to tell us what to expect. Let me give you an example of this. Look in First Peter chapter four. Don't lose your place. You're in Hebrews, the next book after will be James and then Peter right after that. Look in First Peter chapter four. I'll show you what I mean by this. There's so much of life we say is unexpected, and we can say that correctly when we're talking about particular incidents. But let me say to you, God, if we learn His teachings and what His Bible teaches us, we'll be prepared for what we thought was unexpected. Because the Bible, God gave His Word as a forerunner. Okay, now you're saved. Here's a book that will tell you the kind of things you're going to encounter as you travel from the point of being saved to where you get to go home and be with the Lord. And when these type of things happen... Here's the correct response, and here's what God has for you, and here's how we're to conduct ourselves. You see what I mean by forerunner? He said, here's what you're going to do. I'm going to tell you right away. This is what you're going to run into uh, with that. And uh, and so very, very important. Uh, 1 Peter, in and, and this uh, chapter 4, this, this verse, uh, two verses actually, meant a lot to me. As a very young Christian, before experientially, I really had experienced the need of the, uh, of the sweetness of their death. But look in verse 12. It says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. I remember there was a teenage boy sitting there and saying, Oh, so there's going to be trouble along the way. Oh, so there may be some things happen that are not pleasant. That got in my young heart, in my, in my mind. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is dry. And down through the years, uh, people have said, well, I just didn't know this was going to happen to me. It's never seemed like a surprise. I'm not telling you I like it or that I've always even done great on the test of it. But it's never surprised me. I've never been under the illusion that as God's child, I was exempted from fiery trials. Because of this passage, because of the forerunner of the book, I was prepared that, okay, that's part of Christian life. This is what happens with it. Um, I thank God for the even-handedness my mom displayed uh, when I was young and uh, loved one passed away and such. She didn't do all the psychological trickery and that sort of thing. She didn't lay an adult's burden on me, but she talked frankly about it. This is what happens. And I still remember we weren't in church or anything, and now I know what she was saying. She says, Son, this, uh, everyone dies. You don't know when it's going to be. That's why you should do it right in life, and you should be prepared when you die. I didn't have an explanation what that meant, but she was, she was uh, uh, trying to tell me, this is part of it. This is part of it. This is part of it. I remember a little girl named Karen Bashir's got hit by a car right in front of our school. We were all out playing. And she lived across from the school and ran her a car hit her. Remember, she flew and landed. A bunch of us saw that. And a bunch of counselors came into school back then. They, uh, we all. I remember the teachers said, we're going to pray for her. We did. That's a little different era, wasn't it? And uh, they were there, and here's what they said. They didn't point her out and make fun of her with it. They, they, they didn't have that. But they said, uh, children, and you take off running. Now, Karen, you know, we want her to be all right. We're not mad at her. But she took off running across that road without looking. And you know what? You take off running across the road without looking, this kind of thing happened to you. Nowadays, you know, they'd be six months of trying to get over the trauma. No, why not tell the kids it's dangerous out there where the car's are running around, so pay attention does a whole lot better. Not mean about it. Not saying, oh, she did something wrong. She was careless. That wasn't even the way it's presented. I still remember. It's kind of something that sticks in your mind when you're in the elementary, you know, and one of your classmates goes boink, and you know, the car got, and she recovered from it. It broke one of her limbs, arm, leg, something i forgetting like that, but it was no, no lasting permanent injury, thank God. But it learned something. Okay, your Bible will tell you of good things. It will tell you of the resources and what God's given you so you are uh, so he gives to you all things that pertain to life and godliness you 'll learn in the Bible what you need and how to act at certain times. He gives that to you let 's go on and finish these couple of verses here. Look in verse uh, uh, starting in verse twelve again, Beloved thinking not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of christ 's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding, re, exceeding joy. And then it goes on talks about if we're reproached, if people make fun of us for what we believe, then we're in good company with the Lord with that. And so it gives that very much. Let me, let me read to you John 16, verse 33. These things, these are the words of Christ. These things have I spoken unto you that in me, in Jesus, you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Thank God He did. Thank God He did. Uh, Jesus, our forerunner, gave us a Bible which is the forerunner for us. You know what? It would be a real good thing if you started learning today what you can from the Scripture. Because you don't know what's on tomorrow. But I'm going to tell you everything you need on tomorrow is in the book that you have today. And this eternal book, which is not bound by the constraints of today, tomorrow, or yesterday, is what we need. And the more of it you can get inside of you and make part of your life, the better fortified you're going to be for every situation that comes up in life. And uh, when that storm hits and that that wind blows and those things come in life, you have a foundation that'll stand. And uh, thank God for it. I'm glad glad for it. Look, if you will, in verse 4. Tell me not of heavy crosses nor the burdens hard to bear. For I found this great salvation makes each burden light appear. And I love to follow Jesus Gladly counting all but dross. Worldly honors all forsaking for the glory of the cross. Let's sing that together. Of heavy
1: crosses Nor of burdens hard to bear For I found this great salvation Amen Grace is burden light appear and I love to follow Jesus, gladly counting all betrothals, worldly honors all forsaking for the
0: glory of the cross. Amen. And then, and let me say to you, it is His great shepherd's heart which compels him to go before us. Jesus is called the great shepherd of the sheep. The Bible says we've returned unto the shepherd and bishop of our souls. And it is his shepherd's heart that, uh, uh, that compels him uh, to go before us. The, uh, look in uh, Psalm 23, if you will. Psalm 23. And the Bible says of David that he was a man after God's own heart. It was that shepherd's heart that, that, that God saw that was so precious to him and David. Psalm 23. And of course, such a great psalm, but I want you to look specifically in verses 1 and 2. And I hope that you can say with full assurance tonight the first verse, the Lord is your shepherd. I hope you're a sheep of His pasture. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He does what, church? He leadeth me. We sing the song, He leadeth me, O blessed. Thank God for it. I'm glad He leads me. He led me as a teenager. He led me in early adulthood. He leads me now. And I thank God for His precious leading. He leadeth me. Besides still waters. By the way, if you want to see the endurance of that shepherd's heart, look over to Revelation 7. Over in Revelation chapter 7. We find in Psalm 23, verse 2, He leadeth me beside still waters. And then Revelation chapter 7, when some of the great glories of heaven are being revealed. Verse 13 And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And then a very wise answer. I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve Him day and night in His temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat, for the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. In Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. In Revelation 7, He leads His people to these eternal and everlasting waters of life. It's the heart of the shepherd that does that. Thank God for it. The same shepherd's heart is unchanged. He goes before us. Whether Jesus the forerunner is entered in, He went before us. He went before me and suffered my, my payment. He suffered for every cuss word I ever said, every vile thought I ever had, every wicked thing I ever did. He took it. And He defeated it. And He made me to become the righteousness of God in Him. And He, by His power, presents me clean and holy to the Father, before whom I could not stand on my own merit. He went before me then. He goes before me in life. He's going to go before me in death. And when I get to heaven, He's still going before me. Look at verse 5 of your song. Oh, the cross has wondrous glory. Oft I've proved... This to be true. When I'm in the way so narrow, I can see a pathway through. And how sweetly Jesus whispers, Take the cross, thou needst not fear, for I've trod the way before thee, and the glory lingers near. This verse we're going to do the chorus. Is not this the land of Beulah? Blessed, blessed land of light, where the flowers bloom forever. And the sun is always bright. It's not a geographical location on this earth. It's in the presence of God where the land of Beulah is. Why, right, if we lift up your voice and let's sing that last verse and chorus together. God
1: has, God has, has wondrous glory All I prove this to be true When I'm in the way so narrow I can see a pathway through and how sweetly Jesus whispers take the cross that needst not fear for I've trod the way before thee and my glory lingers near he is not there Blessed, blessed land of light Where the flowers bloom forever
0: And the sun is always bright Father, thank you for your words tonight. Thank you for putting that song on someone's heart. We don't even know for sure whom. Thank you that we have it tonight. Thank you for the rich heritage of the people of God. Thank you that you go before us. Help us to keep our eyes ever on you. Not to devise our own ways or scheme our own path. But Lord, may we be content to follow you. Whether it be in poverty or in wealth. or Lord, whether it be in trial or blessing. May we count you worthy of following at all times and all places. Bless your people tonight with a heart towards you, please. Amen. Let's stand together. Why don't you come as we have song invitation. Why don't you come on the first note of invitation tonight. And if tonight you can't say the Lord is my shepherd, for you don't know him as such, would you just set aside pride, fear, and discomfort and say I'm not going to leave this place tonight without knowing that I know that Jesus Christ is my Savior. Come and let one of us know so we can pray with you and get this thing settled once for all. Why don't you come tonight join these who are here already. your fears and put them at the feet of Christ. Take your failures. Face what you need to with it. And realize it's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses from all sin. Accept the fact that His grace is not something for all of mankind to the exclusion of you, but it is for you.